Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D here. Hey, if you're an NAI basketball fan, and obviously you are if you're listening to this show, I want to tell you some of the things Cascade Hoops Talk offers. Obviously, you can get the, the podcast anywhere podcasts are available, Cascade Hoops Talk. Go to Twitter at Cascade Hoop Talk. Also, go to Facebook at Cascade Hoops Talk. You can also get all the interviews on YouTube at Cascade Hoops Talk. And the YouTube platform, please subscribe. Having that platform and the shows over there gives us some more flexibility down down the road if there's other things we'd like to do. Also, and this is very important, go to CascadeHoopsTalk.com, CascadeHoopsTalk.com. And once the season starts, every morning you can open that up and you can get all the game stories and NAI basketball news from the night before. It's tabbed by conference and top 25. So if you're just interested in, say, your conference and the top 25, click those tabs, see who won, what the stories were, uh, and that's available to you every day. Also, there's a place on the webpage where you can sign up for the newsletter and you don't have to sign in. It comes directly to your email. So here at Cascade Hoops Talk, we're here to be your NAI men's basketball news source. And please uh, go to our Twitter and let me know if there's anything else you uh, would like to see or something different or something you'd like to see improved. I love hearing from you. Thanks. I hope you enjoy today's show. Cascade Hoops Talk. Join us on Twitter, Cascade Hoop Talk. Also, check out the daily paper at CascadeHoopsTalk.com. We're here today with Greg Tonical, uh, a man in a program, Indiana Wesleyan, which needs very little introduction. Uh, this program has uh, won, uh, under Coach Tonical, has won five Crossroad League tournament championships, 11 Crossroad League regular championships. Uh, last season, uh, they just steamrolled through the Crossroads League. Uh, they've lost a couple of seniors, which we'll talk about, uh, but they bring back big Maxwell in the middle and, of course, Kyle Mangus. So welcome, to Coach Tonegal. Uh, ready for another season. We're entering the 2020-2021 season. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good. It's uh, you know a month ago. I was a little nervous about season, and it seems to be a little bit more clarity and momentum that we're going to play some ball this uh, fall and winter. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's starting to feel like basketball in the air. Uh, you, you know, let's talk a little bit about how the, you know, the season ended last year. You went to the tournament with really high hopes. Uh, it, it seemed to me that I'm going to probably alienate friends here, but it seemed to me that you, your team and College of Idaho really went into that tournament playing great basketball. I think uh, College Idaho, I have more experience with them. I think they had their best team ever, in my opinion. And I think your team might have been one of your best as well. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about that disappointment with last season, and then how does that steal you or change your approach to this season? Man, we, we could probably talk all day on this. And, you know, to your point on, you know, College Idaho and some of the other teams, I mean, I think every coach says they don't, they don't look at any part of the bracket but theirs. But if we're honest, I mean, we know who the great teams are. And, and I think there were, there were a handful of teams that had went to that tournament last year with, with the idea that if we don't win it, we're going to be disappointed. Then there's a big collective group that's just happy to be there. I mean, that's just a reality. Right? Mm -hmm. And I've had teams that have done both. I've had teams where it's like, hey, we made it, good. And I've had teams where we say, this is our year. We need to make a run at this. And that's what, 
to put the disappointment in perspective, that's why it was so disappointing because it wasn't just about playing, you know, some more games. It was about potentially winning a championship, ending your season on that high note. And so when we when we left South Dakota, there there weren't words to describe what happened. Just the the abrupt ending, the walking away from seniors who didn't get a chance to to be in that locker room one more time. And but if you fast forward now, I don't know what we are six eight months out. Man, there is, just seems to be an intense hunger and a desire to compete. We, when our guys were allowed to come back and play open gyms late in the summer, they had never been that competitive before. And the only, the only answer that I have is when something valuable is taken from you, you finally realize what you had, and you don't take it for granted. And so every day we've walked in the gym, I feel like guys have said, let's not take this for granted. Let's, let's go out there and give our all. And so as we approach the season – there just, just seems to be this renewed sense of excitement to play basketball. That's probably the simplest way to put it. Oh, I think that's well put. I think that's the, I think that's the most succinct description I've heard of what happened and where we're headed. I think we need athletics for the, as you say, for you know the, the competition, but it, it just uh, seems to be such an integral part of our uh, society. So it, I'm very, very happy to, to see that college, college sports are starting to come back. So, Coach, you, you lost uh, uh, some seniors, uh, most notably Cannon Coffey, Tanner, Tanner Rubio. Can you talk about those guys, what they meant to the program? Yeah, it was some special guys. And uh, like I said, that, that's what hurt the most. It, you know, hopefully I've got many more years coaching, but those guys didn't. That was it for them. And, you know, a guy like Cannon Coffey, four-year guy. He's in his fourth year. He's just the model of consistency. Um, you know, never put up huge numbers, but he was always there and always did what you asked of him. And, and you don't win championships without a cane and coffee. And you talk about a guy that has put time in the gym for this moment. I mean, he was in the gym every morning before class. He was often the last kid to leave uh, after practice. I know what he had worked for. And then at Rubio, kind of the completely opposite story. He comes here for one year, uh, almost had given up on basketball, took him a, a large part of that season to get going, just new system, new mentality. But when he got going, he got going, and so did our team. And he had just kind of flipped us to a whole nother level. You know, we won our conference tournament, I think, by an average of 30 points in the three games, which was which was a record. And it was really about the way Tanner had just ignited our offense. He was he's an elite passer and playmaker. You know, he made me pull my hair out a few times with some of his crazy <laughs> passes. But but he needed that freedom to be who he was, and and we had to learn to to work together. And and I wanted and and what I enjoyed most probably about last year was seeing the game be fun again for him I mean he when he left his previous school he just just wasn't at a good place mentally but he was having so much fun he was playing the game the way it should be played you, you leave it all on the floor you have fun you got a smile on your face you're with the, the guys you love your teammates and he was doing that I just wanted one more chance to see him do that on the big stage in the national tournament yeah you know coach I had the honor I, I interviewed him after the season ended uh, what a great young man uh, but I you know I teased him a little bit about that Mount Vernon Nazarene game which Anybody who follows Indiana Wesleyan was a Tanner head. I think he broke a hand or he had an injury at any rate. And it <laughs> yeah. took him a few games to yep. get in. And I, I don't remember. You you could probably tell us a chart and verse, but I think he turned the ball over two, three times, shot an air ball. And I remember watching that game thinking, you know, we'd all been waiting for weeks. With it, and I teased him a little bit about it. And he was such <laughs> a good sport. And uh, I, I really liked him. He's a, he's a, a very nice young man. You're going to miss him in the locker room. We're going to miss that personality, and you got to have those guys on the team that, that know how to uh, keep things lively. You know, you can't be too serious all the time. The tension builds, and Tanner could really cut the tension out of a room by telling a joke or just, you know, cutting up. 
you know, before we talk about this season's uh, Indiana Wesleyan basketball program, basketball team, uh, let's talk for a minute about Evan Maxwell just signed a new contract uh, playing in a top tier British league. You know, what does that mean for that young man and, and for your program? Yeah, very happy for Evan. Uh, he had a great year over in Slovakia and he really earned his stripes. And, you know, that that's the hard part is, is that first year when you get over there and you're in a completely new environment and you, you have to earn everything. And a lot of guys will, will either quit after that. And uh, Evan just said, man, this is the beginning. And uh, proved himself, got a got a bigger contract, a better deal, better better club over there in, in England. And uh, I think it's just a start for him. I think he still can go further. He, he worked out really hard this summer. He was able to get in our gym, you know, and everything was shut down. And uh, I think we'll be able to catch a few games. They've, they've got a good TV production over there. They do a good job on social media. So, I mean, we'll be watching from afar, but we'll be keeping tabs on them. Well, Coach, the Crossroads League will be very, very tough, as it always is. Uh, some big news in the off season, probably good news for the Crossroads League. Corey Alford was hired over at Huntington. You know, Coach, that can't be anything but good for the Crossroads League. Really raised, uh, you know, the profile of the league. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Huntington will probably be a bit more competitive. But what you, would you think of that news? I thought it was great news for the league. It is. Um, Corey's just gotten to know him seems like a great guy and he's going to do a great job and it really just represents the uh the competitive balance of our league i mean every school's in it to win every school is is really putting forth their their best foot and what it does is it, it raises the play of everybody man night in and night out i, I i'm biased you know just as you're biased we know who you're biased towards <laughs> this is the crossroads is the best league in the country and i'll give you time to give me your rebuttal but <laughs> night in and night out we just not only the best talent but man the coaching is is really really good yeah i'll take that uh you know i said from day <laughs> no I said, rebuttal, okay uh, no but i said from day <laughs> one a friend of mine teases me about this when when i first started the show he goes oh, i don't know if you can do that you've been an oregon tech fan all your life and uh i said well the way i'm gonna handle this is i'm just not gonna hide it because you know that's where the love for the game came right uh you know growing up yeah. in danny growing up in danny miles court and uh you know, you're right. I don't hide that. Yeah, I'm an Oregon Tech fan, always will be, but I just love small college basketball. Uh, well, hey, after the whooping they put on us in 2019, you, you can say whatever you want to me. You've got bragging rights. <laughs> you know, Coach, this season you have uh, a couple of seniors, uh, Michael Thompson the third, and, of course, Kyle Mangus, everybody's player of the year, Bebo Francis winner. What a, what a core to build upon. And then you and I talked for a moment, but Seth Maxwell is going to be a junior, a junior. I, I, I was going through your team. And I, th- I thought, no, he couldn't be, but he's, he's going to be a junior. <laughs> but what a good core to build from. Yeah, it, it is a good core. And, and Seth had, has really turned a corner this year. Now he's, he's hit some bumps currently with some injuries and actually has been out for about two months. But up until then, I, I, was, I, was, I was making some bold statements about Seth Maxwell. You know, I think – Obviously, Kyle is Kyle, and he's the best player I've ever coached and probably will be. But I was saying, you know, Seth is making making a charge to, to, to be the next, you know, big piece to, to what we're trying to do. And he continues to get better, and part of that's just maturity. Um, he hadn't played a ton. He didn't grow up in Indiana, so he wasn't shooting baskets in the, in the crib like a lot of us have. <laughs> it just took him a while to develop that. And a part of his passion. Seth just now loves the game, and, and you can't really force a kid to love the game. But once they do, the, the, the ball kind of goes on, and he's put in a lot of extra work, and he's starting to uh, experiment with his game. And he, he can do some, some things that, you know, he didn't even know he could do, and it's fun to watch. 
I thought his growth from the freshman year to sophomore year was phenomenal. I'd, I'd like your opinion. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. So his freshman to sophomore year was just about gaining confidence. You know, he sat behind his brother and his freshman year and, and was happy to, to defer to him. But when his brother left, there was there was a little bit of a mindset of, okay, now it's 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 time to make things happen. Well, then from his sophomore to junior year, in terms of off season, he put on weight, put on some muscle. And uh, I'm excited for him to get out there and show people all the work that he's done in the offseason. So you have uh, Mangus Thompson, Maxwell, but then you had a couple of freshmen last year, uh, Tim Adedukazi and uh, Noah Smith yep. uh, coming back as sophomores. Boy, they really performed well last year for you. Do you worry about that sophomore jinx, if you will? Uh, they're going to be an important <laughs> piece for you. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm excited for, for those two, especially Noah. Noah had a great year. He was runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year in our league, runner-up to Seth Maxwell. And he just he just did a great job of controlling things at the point. For, for a freshman, he, he is so smart. His, his basketball IQ is as high as we have and perhaps one of the, the highest that, that I've had. He just he knows how to make the right play and control things, and, and that's what you want at point guard. So for him to do that as a freshman, I mean, the game was slow to him as a freshman. Uh, it's only going to get better for him. And Tim's really, really understand how to use his body. I mean, he's, he's a gifted kid with some size, and he's been learning how to play. And so we expect him to, you know, step up into a bigger role this year. And then Michael Thompson was a kid that didn't play much last year. He was a Division II transfer. But this year I expect him to be in the lineup and uh, to have a pretty, pretty impactful year for us. And then, as always, Coach, you went out and you refilled the cupboard. I mean, most notably, uh, you went down to Kokomo out of Northwestern High School and you got Taysen Parker, an Indiana All-Star, uh, 6'1 guard. And then uh, you went over to Toledo, a, a kid out of um, Michigan, Clarkston, Michigan, Dylan Anderson, a transfer out of uh, Division One University of Toledo. What a, what a big pair that is you're bringing in. Yeah, we, we, we were looking for a couple guys to, to be able to play right away, and, and Dylan uh, certainly is one of them. Dylan Alderson um, got one year left, so you get that maturity. You get a kid who's played college basketball for three years but, but also played it at a, a pretty high level, and he's fit in well, I can tell you that. He's come in. It's always hard for a transfer. You know, they're always trying to make their mark or maybe they're unsure of themselves, but Dylan has come in and just said, what do, what do we need to do to win? You know, how do, how do I help the team win? And I love when guys come in with that mentality. And then Taysom Parker uh, is a big-time athlete. There's just plenty of upside there. And the nice thing is he doesn't have to come in and make a ton of plays for us because of all the guys we got, but he's going to learn because eventually the ball will be in his hands. He's going to be asked to make a lot of plays, but he's in a good situation where he gets to learn from some really good upperclassmen this first year. Yeah, and then you sprinkled in uh, a few other recruits there, a couple big bodies, uh, Alex Stoffer, Andrew Morrissey, uh, Nolan Mater, uh, and Nathan Brown. That kind of uh, rounded out your your recruiting year. How did you feel about you know your recruiting year this year? I like the class. I feel like we, we kind of addressed various needs, and, and we got guys that are – we have, a like we talked about, the senior transfer. Uh, Morrissey is a junior. Now, he's going to redshirt. He's a big body. He's going to be a good player. He tore his ACL last year late in his JUCO year, okay. so we're going to redshirt him, but he'll come in the in the following class. And then we got some nice freshmen, you know, that we get to bring along slowly. So we really did kind of get some uh, diversity and, and some maturity within the team. You know, Coach, when I was uh, going through your team, I don't know if people real outside of the crossroads realize this. You know, Lucky Arena, you you it's very nice to you. It's very kind to you. In uh, the past four yeah. years, your record at Lucky Arena has been 65-3. and three. 
65 and three mm-hmm. in the last four years. So my question to you is what happened in those three games? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> but that, that's amazing, you isn't know, it? I, I didn't even know that. I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good stat. I'm trying to think who those losses have been to. And, then, and honestly, they've, they've probably kept me up all night, uh, yeah. to be honest with Lucky's been great, and that's that's going to be one of the things that's interesting this year. You know, I'm thinking of some of the great venues around the country, um, you know, where your Hustle and Owls play, the, the Corn Palace. Like, with no fans, how, how different is it going to be? Assuming everybody has no fans or little fans, you know, what does that do to the college basketball landscape? Um, it's certainly different watching, you know, the NBA in the bubble or NFL with, with empty seats. But to me, that's one of the great things about our, our sport and our level. And when, when we pack our arenas with students and fans, they're great atmospheres and uh, great basketball, and it might be a little different this year. Yeah, definitely, because uh, you talked about Oregon Tech. Uh, you know, Oregon Tech is a program born by home court advantage. Uh, College Idaho, same way. You go over there, it's, it's just packed and loud, and the fans are right on top of you. But there's there's several places like that uh, around the country, and it it really does you know bring an advantage. It brings energy. Uh, not only that, it it's a lot easier to recruit. You know, people want to play in that atmosphere. Uh, so yeah, this this year may be just a little different. You know, before we talk about the start of the season, you know, you you uh, when you played at Valparaiso, one of the things you were known for was your your free throw shooting. Uh, you actually did you set a, a season record at Valparaiso? Was a conference record? You had one one season you you set a record for free yeah, throw it was a percentage. Conference record at okay. the time. So if if things ever get boring in the in the crossroads league, why don't you go up to Mishawaka and uh, challenge Draven to a free throw shooting contest? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he would beat me in a free throw shooting competition. <laughs> so quick quick backstory here: Steve Draven and I were high school teammates. Oh, I didn't know and that. We played for yeah. So he was a sophomore when I was a senior, and we played for a pretty legendary Indiana high school coach named Joe Otis, who came out of the Valpo Virgil Suite coaching tree which Valpo was known if, if you're from Indiana back in the I want to say it was the 60s as the free throw shooting capital of the world they had a specific method that they taught you, taught and you had to go by that method well my coach loved it believed in it and I'm not kidding I bet we spent well over 50 percent of our practices shooting free throws we would joke about it but like we, we wouldn't run offense or play deep we would just shoot free throws and you yeah. had this rule if you got on a streak you got moved to a side basket, and you you stayed on that streak. Well, if you hit 100, you got a steak dinner, and anything above that, you know, you just kept going. Well, Steve and I, I wouldn't say routinely, but but often would get above 100. But Steve would break 200. Wow. I never broke 200, but Steve broke it a handful of times. And he would spend the whole practice shooting free throws. Coach didn't care. He just loved free throws. We'd be over there practicing. It'd be the day before a big game, but if you were on a streak, you stayed on that streak. And so <laughs> – I think Steve's record here is over 300 free throws in a row at one point. Um, so that kid can flat out shoot some free He's actually the National Elks free throw shooting champion. That, there's a thing in the state yes, yes. called the Elks free throw shooting camp, competition. Well, then it goes national, and Steve actually won it at one point. So I'm not I'm not going into that battle trying to beat him, trust me. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I think he shot 93% in college for his career. And he, he told me a story. He told me a story. You probably know this story. Uh, over Christmas break, I think it was Christmas break, he said uh, his dad took him down to the high school, he and his two kids, and uh, I think he either finished third or fourth out of the four, and his dad said, well, you might be the best free throw shooter in the country, but you're third in this this family. <laughs> <laughs> I probably messed the story uh, up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Coach Draven. 
Go ahead. Uh, his dad was was my uh, assistant coach throughout high school. One of the best coaches I've ever had. So he comes from a great basketball family. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a great crossroad story, uh, crossroad league story. Yeah, uh, coach, just three weeks away, you go into battle three weeks away, and, and you always start tough. Uh, Olivet Nazarene, Cornerstone, Indiana Tech, and Madonna, just to get things rolling. You know, what is what do you believe it's going to take? You have a diff- every year is a different team, different personality. What is it going to take for, you know, your Wildcats to really compete this year in the crossroads? Well, today was our first practice. We we went early morning this morning. If you'd have seen us in practice, I wouldn't wouldn't take our team over my, my son's sixth grade team right now. We were throwing <laughs> the ball all over the place and we we're good defensively for about five seconds and then we, you know, go back to our open gym habits. So it reminded me honestly that it is a process and every year's a new team. I mean, yeah, we got Kyle Mangus and I think Kyle knows how to play, but the other guy's gotta learn how to play around him and play with him and you're always fitting in new pieces. And it's just going to be different. We're we're not a team that runs the same thing every year uh, because we have different players every year. And and as much as I'd like to tell you, hey, this is how it's going to look in the middle of you know January when when we really need it, it's got to develop on its own. And I'm anxious to watch that play out. It's kind of the personality of the team. You know what what's going to be the personality of this team and 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 what's the character of this team? And that happens through both good and bad. It's going to take some early losses probably to to really drive us, uh, mm-hmm. bind us together, make us make us a deeper team, a tougher team. But through that, you know, I think we're going to find out who we are. And, and I like the potential upside of this team. I feel like we're pretty versatile, not only with Kyle, what he can do, but you have the size and Seth Maxwell and, and the heady guard and um, Noah Smith that we've talked about. But that's a process to be had, and uh, it's a good league. And, the, and I think that's one thing our league does. It brings it out of you. Uh, we're going to be pushed by – so many teams, and, and even our non-conference, you and I are talking beforehand, uh, I don't do the scheduling, but every time I read it, I go, well, who made this thing? And <laughs> what are they trying to do to us? But yeah. in the end, I think that prepares us. No, most definitely. You know, Coach, before I let you go, uh, Kyle Mangus won the Bebo Francis Award for last season, best small college basketball player in the country, well-deserved, just a fantastic young man. Uh, you know, can you just talk about him winning that award and uh, you know, what it means for him, what it means for your program. Yeah. You know, there's, it's amazing because I, I do a lot of, I get a lot of questions about Kyle, but I'm never sick about talking about that kid. Cause he, he's a one in a million kid. Um, amazingly talented. There's not enough superlatives to, to be able to describe what he does, but what continues to blow my mind is the humility in which he does it. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a team guy. He really loves his teammates. He constantly defers to them. At the end of the day, he wants to win more than he wants to break all these records. By the way, he's going to continue to break a bunch of records. But he's just a kid you love to coach. And uh, I, w- I want to make the most of this last year um, for that reason because it's, it's going to be hard to ever find another Kyle Mangus. He's just a, he's once in a – for me as a coach, he's a once-in-a-generation kid to, to coach. You know, I've told a story before. I think I said it to you before. You'd, I heard it one time, and it just stuck with me. Kyle Mangles will run over to you, shake your hand before the game, tell you how excited he is to play you, drop 50 on you, run over afterwards with a big smile and tell you how tough you were. He, <laughs> he, he a good never, way to put it. He, he, he is ne- the ultimate competitor. And he never shows up. What I love about him, he never shows anybody up ever. He's just 100% class. And, and he's, he's definitely competitive, uh, but – uh, yeah, he's a, a amazing player, amazing young man, and uh, look forward to uh, one more one more year with him. 
and the rest of the crossroads will probably throw a party when he leaves. <laughs> yeah, nobody else is is is, is uh, looking forward to uh, this year and, and wants him to stay. But man, I, I sure do. Well, Coach Tonigal, I I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we're kind of putting our foot back in here. Gonna we're looks like we're really gonna play basketball. I'm excited about it. I know what you are. And uh, thank you very, very much for, for taking the time today. Well, thanks for having me, and appreciate all you do for uh, NAI basketball, and we look forward to another good year. Okay, thank you, Coach.